So, Alan, thanks for um, agreeing to talk again. And we agreed that one interesting topic to think about might be that of fatigue. I know it's one of those areas that many, many people report as a problem and an issue after a, a after a head injury. And um, just wondered if maybe you could start by saying a bit about fatigue, how it affects you, um, and and what that what that feels like. Yeah. No. Good morning, Richard. Yeah. Um, fatigue. It's it's a very it's a very tricky one because. I think I think a, a lot of us, and I'd like to speak on kind of everyone's behalf and uh, kind of guess a little bit as well. I think all of us with a brain injury, when we first wake up, like, I think we're I think we're, we're like a newborn baby in 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 the age of the body of the person that we are at the time of having the accident. And I, I don't think we could quite understand like what fatigue is, obviously, because as we were growing up before our injuries, so we would have understood what fatigue was growing up as a child. Blah 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 blah. But I think when you wake up after your injury, like knowing what fatigue is and how to identify it, I think it can be quite tricky because I think you can get confused with maybe anxiety, maybe excitement, maybe it's new. You want to stay up and see some more. Like I, th- I think it's a very, I think it's a very complex area to kind of maybe discuss. But I'm hoping that I can help people un- like understand and identify maybe how they know their fatigue to help get more rest and better rest which will then obviously help their recovery in long term obviously uh, um, over a long over a long term period yeah that's uh, that's a really good point do you think you're there at saying that maybe the fatigue that you might have experienced before your brain injury and that maybe most of us would would be able to relate to do you think that's different from the fatigue that you've experienced since your injury and i know that might be difficult because it's a it's thinking back a long time isn't it but what do you think about that do you think it's different or do you think it's the same kind of experience of fatigue uh like you say it is a little bit harder to kind of to be able to analyze before my car accident as obviously a lot of those feelings and sensations before the car accident are obviously different to me now than they were then Mm. Uh, but i think i think actually in in honesty, I think I'm able to understand and recognise fatigue better now because of the strategies that I've been taught and that I understand, obviously, since having my, my injury, my car accident. Um, and I think I'm more I think I'm more honest to myself to say, right, okay, it is time for bed now because I because I know and obviously the the, the more we sleep, the the better our recovery. And I'm not saying if we slept for a whole year that the brain injury would just suddenly disappear. But what I'm trying to say is that Obviously, our brain and our brains benefit the longer, more quality sleep that we get. So what I mean by that is like if it's not disturbed sleep or broken sleep and if it's a good kind of eight-hour sleep that most humans uh, should ideally kind of like aim for, like I've, I think that you'll find your recovery is, is quicker than if you try pushing yourself past your tidism and, and you kind of fall asleep because you won't you won't fall into a deep enough sleep, which is then unhealthy for your for your brain, and then for its for its like thought processes, for its proce- uh, for its understanding. I just think you'll find if you try fighting your sleep, your recovery will be delayed. Right. So what you what you're suggesting, Alan, which I think is really important, is that there's a relationship between 
um, good fatigue management and good sleep and brain function. Do you think that's right? Do you think your brain functions better? Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, like definitely. Like yeah. If you think of an iPhone, like an iPhone will work better when it's like near 100%, and that's after a good kind of hour to two-hour charge. Obviously, we're not like iPhones, but we need a good sort of like eight, eight to ten hours. And and after that, you'll feel that you'll, you'll work quicker. You'll be able to understand things easier. Your thought process will be a lot, lot more quick in response. And obviously, naturally, as the day goes on, obviously, we start to slow down like an iPhone would with a, with a, with a battery. So, yeah, what I'm saying is I think the, the better quality and the longer sleep that we have, I think, helps us set up for a more positive start, at least, to the, to the next day. Yeah, yeah, that that's helpful. And do you think a bit like the uh, the iPhone battery? And do you think that your your own battery runs down quicker now? Do you think that you get tired a lot more quickly or e- or more easily now? Um, I wouldn't say it gets tired like easier or quicker. Um, I think with age, naturally, obviously, our brains will tire like quicker than than when obviously when we were we younger but i think because i'm able to recognize when i'm am tired when i'm feeling tired or when i need to sort of like rest and just like charge it a little bit um i'm, I'm able to then to take myself away from whatever it is i'm doing and kind of rest to just like help it kind of charge a little bit let's say but then i think because i get a good decent amount of sleep like seven days of the week now I don't think I struggle with my level of fatigue as much as I did earlier on to my car accident. Okay, so you think that aspect of your functioning has improved? You'd said that you're now probably sleeping better and um, and managing fatigue better. Yeah, I, I think I could agree and say, yeah, I, th- I think I am. Yeah, because I say because I'm, I'm able to know when I'm tired. So obviously, I turn the TV off. I go and lay in bed, and naturally, I drop off, and I'll get a good solid good solid eight hours and I, I might have worked out in the evening before going to bed obviously which then helps me tire a little bit more like get me ready for like sleep and stuff so I think yeah I think I think I'm able to understand my own body and understand my own brain when it's had enough to then go off to sleep and let it charge. How do you know that and what are the signs do you think that your brain's just had enough? Are you, are you aware of certain things changing or uh, yeah, what are you noticing then when you're getting tired? Well, so like I say, so obviously because I've got strategies on, on being aware of when I am feeling tired and when I'm starting to tire. Uh, in my earlier days of obviously my recovery, like these were these were like confusing times because I didn't really kind of know the sensations and the feelings that I was kind of going through. But like I say, after being educated in what the brain does, what I do as a person, because obviously each each person with a brain injury would have their own. Uh, signals and signs that they'll need to identify um so for me um earlier after my car accident i found that i used to slur uh, concentration would become difficult um but being silly and not really knowing what i know now i'd try and fight through that thinking it was a new sensation that i was going through mm. um but like now obviously the, the the list i just gave you there if I'm kind of like finding I'm struggling there, then I know that's my that's my body telling me it's ready to sort of like start shutting down and let's get let's start chilling down, ready for bed. So then that's when I start saying my TV goes off. Let's go and get ready, brush your teeth, your usual routine before bed. Go to bed, lay in bed, sit there, 
or uh, lay there, sorry, and then naturally you'll fall off once your brain said, right, that's it, let's go. And it sounds like um, what you were saying, Alan, there, which I think was maybe really important, was about the those signs and uh, signals and the slurring, because the slurring sounds to me like something that other people are likely to notice, whereas things like your changes in your concentration are more difficult for people to notice because they're going on inside your head and is that kind of would you no. say that's right or i don't know i think i'd like to argue a little bit with you of course obviously because i have a few friends obviously who, who have got acquired brain injuries themselves and i think i yeah. think i can notice certainly in them um that obviously like when 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 they start to lose concentration if we're watching a movie they'll try like starting conversations part way through like a scene or they'll kind of like like they'll kind of look at their phone or like something will kind of distract them. So that's that that to me is obviously they're they're struggling to be able to concentrate on what the main event in the room is. And obviously that, that would be the movie of course. But um for yourself to identify, I think it's a little bit about your own self respect because we can all try and shy and ignore what we think we're kind of going through. But if I think if you're if you know you're going through like tiders when you're feeling tired, I think you should just say like, okay, guys, that that's enough for me. I'm I'm going to bed because you'll feel much better in the morning because of it. Yeah, so it's almost knowing what what you need to do and why you need to do it. And and interestingly, there, Alan, you were saying that maybe concentration difficulties sometimes are visible, aren't they? Because people are becoming more distractible. They're starting to do different things. Um, so I'm just thinking about it from the perspective of someone living with someone with uh, uh, an acquired brain injury um, and things that they might be noticing. And that might be one of them that the, the person starting to um, yeah, become less able to kind of just focus on a specific activity or task. That's maybe important yeah. to recognise. Yeah. And obviously, so like each, each person is different kind of thing. So some people might be able to kind of concentrate even when they're like completely shattered and sort of like near enough at the point of falling asleep. Like, and some people like, won't be able to concentrate like everyone's different so like you you have to kind of identify what that kind of person's like during the day sort of thing if they're able to kind of stick to conversation and not sort of like jump off the the van wagon and sort of like veer off about talking about fruit and talking about football and then going back over to ping pong like like obviously that's someone who can't concentrate because they can't hold one conversation but if they're if they're quite good at that during the day when when you're mostly alert and in the evenings they then start veering off to different sort of different planets let's say then then that's when you know that they're they are starting to struggle with the concentration and and upholding the same conversation that you started on yeah yeah and i i think what you're identifying there alan which is maybe important is the difference between maybe quite extreme um changes in functioning and quite yeah. subtle ones and sometimes it might be evident but not so evident and other times it just might be very very obvious that someone's behaviour has changed and that um, I was thinking when I speak to other people Alan one thing that they say is that uh, they can often tell that someone's tired and fatigued because physically they look different and that that can also be very subtle I have to say but if, have people ever said that to you in terms of your physical appearance changing when you're very tired? Um, the only one I can really kind of kind of bring up that i've heard more common than others is obviously because of the stroke that i obviously um had in the time of my coma 
um, the left-hand side of my face, which was the, the side that was affected in the coma, um, seems to drop a little bit. And yeah. not, not like a cartoon version drop where it like hits the floor or anything like that, but they just notice there's a slight, maybe the muscles are tired and obviously they're just weakening off. But there's like a, there's like, millimeters difference but it's enough for sort of like friends and family who see me on a daily basis to know that obviously that side of the face is is not as as tight maybe as what it is most times when they see me right and and and, and maybe by implication there alan you're talking about people that maybe know you quite well and who rather than people who are vague acquaintances you may not spend a lot of time with you so the people who know you quite well are going to notice those changes maybe more or would have noticed those changes before when they happened in the past, possibly. Yeah, no, I, I can agree with that. Yeah, and and the way that I can start telling that 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 same sort of like scenario is like obviously when I'm drinking, I might start to bite the side of my lip a little bit more, or w- when I'm talking, I can feel that the, the the skin inside my mouth is is kind of edging between the the my the teeth like when when my teeth together. So like for me, it's a very subtle. Um, like noticeability but like I, I know it's i know it's there kind of thing yeah yeah they are quite subtle they're not there but 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 they're really important because as you're saying they're the things that are kind of your body telling you that things are starting to change that you're becoming they're becoming less efficient and yeah. maybe need to rest or something yeah do you think Alan, the other thing i was thinking as you were talking before was that some of these things that you're identifying might be interpreted by the people as something else for example a lot of the people that i speak to will say that um if their speech starts to slur um people will interpret that they've maybe been drinking and um that can be really upsetting or socially compromising because they've not and i wonder if that's ever happened or whether or not you could see that as being an issue because um it's one of the things in our culture isn't it that we're maybe we are very aware of in terms of alcohol consumption and people drinking maybe too much that 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 could be very um that could be very stigmatizing it could be very judgmental and it could affect people quite a lot if that were to happen by mistake yeah no and i ha- i have had that on sort of like a number of occasions when when i was kind of going through the period of obviously drinking and obviously where i had my car accident at 17 so when I turned 18 a year later after the car accident, um, obviously I had like any 18-year-old buzz, I want to go out have my first pint with my dad and have a drink with my mates, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but there was a number of times in the evening, of course, like where I'm starting to tire, that I was I was being turned, turned away from like pubs and bar, blah, 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 because they thought I'd been drinking too much when, when actually all I'd been drinking was Coca-Cola. Um, mm. Or I might have had, on some occasions, I might have only had like half a beer or one glass of wine or something like that and I was still being turned away but obviously then being with friends and family they're explaining hang on my son's he's had a car accident he's had a stroke blah 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 blah. some bouncers would say okay in you come and some bouncers would be a bit like no no he's had too much drink like go away which like you say is a little bit a little bit annoying because they're judging me before they kind of know me and they're judging me before they understand the situation but I suppose they are doing a job and they have to go by a strict governing rules and stuff like that but yeah it can be a little bit disheartening being turned away for something that you know like you haven't done or you haven't done as much of let's say 
Do you think as well, like it just got me to thinking about the effects of alcohol and that might be relevant here to think because what you were what you were saying seemed to suggest that what could happen was that if you did have a drink, that the effect might be greater in terms of fatigue or intoxication. Would that would that be right? Yeah, I think I could definitely agree that obviously obviously the more alcohol you consume, definitely the more tired you'll start to become and obviously the more relaxed your body mm. sort of like becomes because of the alcohol and stuff. Um and obviously your your body doesn't have the as uh quicker response to sort of like movement, step in, uh concentration, uh problem planning. Like obviously alcohol affects all of these within our brain. So then maybe people who have like mobility problems and mobility issues will find that those problems will actually heighten. And it's not because they're tired, maybe it's it's purely because of what the alcohol is doing to the body. It's not allowing the brain to be as in control as it should be. Yeah, it's almost like a magnification of the effect that alcohol would normally have. And it sounds like that it could be intoxication, but almost like an accelerated or exaggerated kind of effect of the um of the alcohol on our on our system. Yeah, no, like definitely, definitely. Like I, I could before I haven't got enough fingers to count on how many times I had tripped when when I had alcohol in my in my system and, and it was like small, small steps. It's like a small raised curb and I'd go absolutely flying. So it looked like I had had more than maybe the one pint or half a pint or whatever it is I was drinking on the night. But yeah, like you, there's something else where you need to become aware of your own body's um, capabilities. So not just when it's tired, but when it's had something, maybe it's going to react to a little bit worse than what it should do in before your accident life. Sure, sure. And I know you were talking before about things that kind of helped. And I, I guess you talked a lot about sleep, didn't you? You were you were focusing on sleep, which I think for most people they would uh, they would uh, accept would be an important part of, of of managing fatigue. Are there other things that you think that you do that you do now in terms of fatigue management that help? It sounds like sleep is really important. Are there other things around about sleep, or even things that you might do in the day? that you think, oh, no, that, I do that and that helps, that helps with my fatigue. Yeah, now, see, fatigue can sort of, like, strike any of us in 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 many different areas. Um, so, for me, I think there's, like, there's, there's many different subjects under the word fatigue. There's mental fatigue, obviously, there's physical fatigue, there's uh, consumption fatigue, and obviously, just elaborating on that one, I'm referring to, the, obviously, the alcohol or drugs or whatever it is you choose and wish to do which obviously with a brain injury isn't advisable but we can't all paint people with the same paintbrush sort of thing we've all got our own different interests and negatives and dislikes and likes sort of thing but yeah so like for example i've i've traveled to and from chichester a lot because i used to do volunteer work there um and it's a very uh, common journey that i make but the whole sort of like planning, problem solving, um, getting the, the train times, for example, when to be at the train station, how I'm going to get to the train station, how long I need to give myself to get to the train station. All these kind of what now I can see as small 
issues with with the level of fatigue can can actually make you tired quicker and faster to be fair and like i say i've, I've traveled to Tisha a number of times but if i'm if i'm feeling tired for example because of a lack or a broken or broken sleep that that journey to Chichester College that really is like a second nature to me and almost like breathing can become very challenging. Hmm. Do you think there's something about travel? Because it's, it's an interesting point that you make. I suppose travel involves lots of different things, doesn't it? Including some degree of uncertainty about uh, plans and, and, um, and journeys and what have you that they create maybe some different or unique challenges. I was just thinking if there was something about travel, because it's interesting that you used the uh, that period when you were travelling into Chichester more as an example. Do you think you got more tired during that period? Again, yeah, certainly kind of earlier towards my recovery, I, I, I found travel like massively um, tiring kind of thing, because like, you're looking for landmarks, you're, you're looking for things that you recognise. Um, looking at like street names and stuff like that and like to someone who's just a passenger in a car or a train or a bus like it isn't really important but I think to any person naturally subconsciously like we are looking for all these things to just to ensure that we are on, on the right pathway to wherever it is we're trying to get to and whether that be a, a new journey or a journey you've done like a thousand times we, we still naturally as human beings do this and obviously someone someone with a head injury who can't quite maybe concentrate on just sort of like breathing, walking, looking and like staying alive to then add in that journey period as well. I, th- I think there's a, there's a lot going on, certainly for like in our early recovery sort of like periods. Did you, when you were doing that, did you do that on your own or were you doing that with someone else, that journey? Or was it a bit of both? So when I first started the journey to teach the college, obviously before going to college, uh, I did the first three times, if I think I can remember right, I did that with Leanne, my support worker, who I've had for 14 years. And obviously she would always advise if we were going the wrong way or getting on the wrong train, blah, blah, blah. But obviously on the two last times that we did it together, like I was taking full control. And and as easy as it sounds, I like I can remember back quite clearly that it was actually pretty difficult because I've got so much going on in my headspace, making sure I get to my destination not only on time, but going the easiest way and the quickest way there too. Yeah, there's a lot to think about there, isn't there? It, it's it can be a bit like spinning plates, can't it? That you're trying to do, uh, you're trying to think about certain things while other things are going on which can be quite tough. The other thing that we've maybe not touched upon, particularly when it comes to travel, yeah. that might, might have an effect on fatigue, is that a visual change, visual impairment? Because I know that's been you know, significant for you. But I wonder if you think that may have, because you were talking about mental fatigue and physical fatigue, maybe it falls more in, in relation to the mental fatigue of having to work really hard to process visual information. Yeah, of course, like like you like you referred to there, Richard, I do have a visual impairment with uh, obviously what they call scientifically a hemimyopia, which obviously is just half blind and uh, visually impaired. Obviously, so I have to sort of like scan sort of like twice as much than, than than say yourself or people who have got like a full healthy eyesight. And obviously that can be quite tricky in itself kind of thing because 
because there's a part of your eyesight that you can't see, obviously you don't you don't think to look there. So you have to kind of ensure that you are turning like your head fully or you're looking with your eye with your eye pupil fully to your left and fully to your right because obviously you're only seeing half the world that you you should be seeing because of the, the defect eyesight that you've got. And it doesn't mean it's impossible or it can't be done with the eyesight that I live with. It just means you just need to be that twice more aware than, say, yourself, Richard, or someone else who's got a full eyesight. Sure, sure. Maybe another plate that you have to spin. Exactly. No, of course, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you had to give someone advice about fatigue management, as someone who is maybe at an earlier stage of their recovery from a from a brain injury what do you think what do you think you would would advise them in terms of uh self-management are there certain kind of key things do you think in addition to things that you've said already no so i think i think so like on the first couple of tries or chances you've given yourself to to make this journey i would certainly kind of like lower everything that can uh, take you off course and kind of what I mean with that is things that will distract you so like your mobile phone constantly going off like unless it's a like holding your train ticket or it's got a map on where you're going kind of thing I would I'd kind of I'd put that in silent and put it in your pocket for if you really need it in a massive emergency and try not try not give yourself too many distractions um that will could obviously that help you lose your concentration so if you can have things written down so it's there in front of you and it's clear it's not going to break or it's, the battery's not going to die. Um, other ways you can plan, obviously, you can you can go online and make sure the trains are actually running. And like, Yeah, you just need to be a bit more prepared, certainly on your first couple of tries, to make sure that your uh, attempts are more successful than, than not because obviously that, that can affect only your confidence. Uh, but then the next time you want to travel again, Obviously, if you've done it wrong the first time, then the second time, the third time, and the fourth time will be harder because not only you've got to remember what you uh, failed at the first and second time, you've got to then think on the third and fourth time that that same mistake's not going to happen. That's really that's really good advice. And I think that that thing about trying to re- reduce distraction, preserve preserve energy, really, preserve resources and and plan better, and maybe all really good. The, the things that I think therapeutically we would often work hard on with with people to help them uh, get the most out of their energies and their resources. Because actually, for some people, if they do that, it can make a huge difference to what they're able to do and also kind of how they feel and their quality of life. So I think that's that that's really good advice. And I was thinking before about that mental and physical fatigue that you were talking about and because yeah. i know you do a reasonable amount of physical exercise well, and you, you love to keep fit and that's really important to you and, and always has been do you think that when you get physically tired what does that feel like is that a good thing does that kind of impact at all on other kinds of fatigue or do you think it's very separate um, I think it's a very subtle separate, um, but I think your your mental fatigue and your 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 mental sort of concentration um, can can tire you out quicker than your physical. And, and as much as that think as much as that seems that's not possible, 
you got to think that your brain is is actually controlling your muscles, which is controlling your movement, um, which is obviously then contributing to your uh, mental fatigue. Uh, so your men- mental fatigue will tire, like I say, much more quicker than your physical. Um, when it comes to physical fatigue, I think you're a little bit more easy to identify when it's physical because, like I say, if you're tripping over a curb because you can't pick your feet up that high because your leg's tired and you like, you struggle using your arm because it's tired, I think you're, you're, you're much more able to identify that that physical fatigue is, 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 is obviously coming into place. That's a really good point. And I was thinking, though, as you were talking, that the the issue might be is that so much of our movement and our physical activity involves planning and thought, doesn't it? So it's kind of, it involves a lot of mental processing um, and, and therefore is likely to impact on other kinds of fatigue too, isn't it, depending upon what you're doing and where you're doing it? Yeah, again, I can agree with you there, Richard. Obviously, us, us kind of guys who are suffering with a brain injury, you've got to think as well that half of our brain is only working, and I'm not trying to say that literally half of your brain's working. I mean, but because of the damage that we all acquire in whatever injury it is that we've got regarding the brain, our brain is not able to function to its 100% it would have before the car accident. So you've got to allow, you've got to allow that we're only kind of playing like football with an eight-man team like because th- three of the guys are injured because of the injury that we've had. So we have to work that a bit harder to to be able to continue our day. I think that's a really useful metaphor. And I know like like me, uh, you also watch quite a lot of football. And it's interesting that sometimes when teams lose players, that they can reorganise and be more efficient and, and, and don't appear to be... Um, don't appear to have lost kind of the players so maybe it's a, a, again an extension of that metaphor that with that reorganization and that real kind of uh careful approach that it is possible to manage the fewer players it's it's not always advantageous but it is possible yeah and again i can agree and the only reason i kind of i use the sport football obviously because it's a it's the most common sport that i know that most people kind of refer to um but yeah, like you say, and obviously when when they do substitutes and stuff like that, obviously like one good player comes on for a bad player, and a bad player goes off, and a good player comes on, blah blah blah. And I think I think people with brain injuries can use that that metaphor, like you explained there, Richard, in the same sort of condition. So okay, maybe one of our good players has gone off, but one of our strategies might come on that helps us to be able to make us still as good as the 11-man squad that we didn't have when we first started the game, if you see where I'm coming from. Well, this is going to be sound like a really old question now. Um, but, um, and as a psychologist, sometimes we do ask really odd questions, as you know. But is there, do you think there's ever any positive thing to come out of fatigue? Do you think there's anything that you could say is useful about it or, or helpful? Yeah, so as as strange as you psychologies, as a psychologist, sorry, are, and you like to ask these weird questions, <laughs> I'd like to say that actually fatigue is is a good sign of telling you kind of like when you're almost at your maximum to what you can do and how you can perform. So that's that's a very good signal to say right, that's that's enough for today. Let's go and rest and maybe do 
the same tomorrow or do the same and a little bit more to improve, I don't think you should kind of then like sweep fatigue under the carpet and kind of crack on as if you could carry on normally because in honest opinion, I think trying to battle fatigue can actually worsen yourself and you'll do more things wrong and you could hurt yourself uh, physically or mentally or or you can just crash and burn, meaning you'd have to start right back from the beginning again. Yeah, that thing about kind of getting into battles with um, with fatigue is a really interesting comment because I think we see this clinically quite a lot and it's almost as if people understandably can't accept that this is happening and they may be aware of it or may be um, aware of it at least to some degree but feel that if they kind of fight it they might be able to in some ways kind of win or succeed in maybe extending their kind of fatigue threshold next time whereas I don't think the evidence does support that. The evidence seems to point towards the fact that people like yourself, who, as you described today, um, learn to manage their fatigue, actually do better and have more productive lives and are able, paradoxically, able to do more. Yeah, so again, it's, it's a little bit of kind of like mixing two kind of conversations here together at one sort of thing but like if i went to bed late tonight for example and i have an early physio appointment tomorrow morning not only will i wake up a little bit groggy because the length of time that i did sleep and rest for wasn't long enough my my, my iphone battery let's go back to that isn't actually quite a hundred percent it means tomorrow not only will my physio appointment tomorrow not be as good as what it could have been with a full battery on my iphone but it then means that I'm going into a, a physio session with only five of my football players on the field rather than the full 11 again, which then obviously lowers my confidence, which then lowers my performance level, which could then heighten my behaviour and maybe my aggression. So not only is bad sleep bad because you don't feel good in the morning, but it does have a domino effect on other things that you can suffer with, with and without a brain injury. It's like a negative cycle or a downward spiral that you're describing, Alan, quite powerfully. And, yeah, um, and yeah, completely. That you use better words to, than myself to describe it. Yeah, that's the kind of the point I was trying to make. But maybe is a, a, a kind of uh, highlights the, the the implications potentially of not managing it so well. And I think that sounds very pejorative, doesn't it? Because it sounds like there's a right and a wrong way. And I think. Maybe what I've taken from the conversation, Helen, is that each each person has to find their own way and learn about themselves in the way that, that maybe you're describing, that it's taken you a while to learn these things and to develop these kind of approaches and these good habits. But with the benefit of hindsight, you can see how uh, maybe that might also help other people, really, giving them that advice. Yeah, again, like like you're saying, Richard, it's just about so like not only being honest to yourself, but being honest to yourself to to get a better like reaction tomorrow, a better reaction this afternoon, a better reaction this evening. Like it's it's just about so like understanding what you can, what you can't do, and maybe where you can kind of go off course a little bit. Again, like you're saying, Richard, there's no instruction manual with or without a brain injury, so there's there's no correct way in doing it, and there's no wrong way in doing it. But it's about 
learning from when you can't do it as good and making it better for when you go to do it next time. Yeah, maybe an experiential type thing where you've got to learn from your own day-to-day experience. Maybe difficult to learn this from books or even from professionals. I think sometimes maybe professionals get into that uh, that that dangerous place of maybe trying to um, instruct people or maybe lecture them a little bit about fatigue management. And I always think fatigue management is largely about people learning about themselves and accepting limitations in a way that you've beautifully described today. And I, I don't think there's any quick, quick fix way of doing that. I think we just have to support people to learn. Yeah. And again, I agree with you again, Richard, of course, because like you say, you're, you're the guy that's kind of gone to college, gone to university and understands the brain from a psychological point, not only from a clinical point. But it's not in black and white. Just because you've read that in a book like you're stating doesn't mean that 15 people in a class are going to have the exact same sort of like response into the way in which you're reading the book. So not only is it about firstly understanding the client that you're you're working with or the, the patient that you're working with, but then letting them to kind of have their own decision and then support them in identifying the decision they made and the result that was given. Indeed. And I think it's, um, I think that's a really nice note to sort of end uh, today's discussion on. And I, I should um, I should thank you, Anna, for being so honest about your experiences as ever and uh, how informative it's been sort of listening to you talk about this. Because I know, I know that for many people, it's potentially one of the hardest things about adjusting to uh, the effects of a brain injury is dealing with fatigue. So I, I, I hope and I, I suspect this discussion uh, will be of use to some people in in their own um, in their own lives. So thank you, Alan. My pleasure, Richard. I look forward to speaking to you next time.